a fabringen, in Yiddish a term meaning a joyous gathering, but it's really so much more. It's insight, it's inspiration, it's the bottom line. Join Rabbi Levi Avton, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. for the Fabringen, only on 101.9 High FM. Hi FM, my name is Rabbi Levi Aftson from Linksfield Shul, and it's quite a day to be with you. Um, on this Tuesday, we're in the month of Tammuz, today's the 30th of June, and there's no question that in the last few days, the last week or so, or two weeks, in the local Jewish community, in the local community here in Gauteng, in Johannesburg, We've uh, been hit quite hard by the pandemic. The pandemic has arrived and um, and is many people I know. Unfortunately, every few minutes I find out about somebody else I know who's not feeling well. Um, thank God most of them are at home, but quite a few, unfortunately, in the hospital. Unfortunately, a, a few deaths. So I start off by, first of all, wishing long life to the mourners. Um, and I wish a speedy recovery to all those who are in the hospital and obviously, and to all those who are home. And a big shout out to the incredible medical establishment across the country, across town, and to Hatsala, who are guiding people at home. We are blessed that we have the infrastructure that we have and the care that we have. And it's during these difficult times that we must pay greater tribute than ever to the selflessness and generosity of spirit of all those volunteers, specifically in the medical community, whether in hospitals or in Atsala, etc., for their incredible dedication to be on the front lines of this pandemic. On, on that thought, um, a lot of conversation has been going on the last few months um, during lockdown about various effects that have had, that we've had. For example, postponed bar mitzvahs weddings with either very, very small crowds or postponed weddings. Currently, it's legal to have a wedding in a shul, but just a ceremony and pretty much nothing, and no food, no celebration after that. And a lot of, uh, you know, thought and discussion has been given to, but one of the areas that at least I haven't found enough discussion is, during this period and the ramifications is the ramifications of people going through mourning during this period. Not necessarily people only losing loved ones to COVID, but in general, the whole mourning process. Because without sounding, you know, disrespecting um, to other events in people's lives, almost every other event in a life, although it's an absolute heartbreak to have to postpone it, it can be postponed. But there's certain things in life that just cannot be postponed, and death is one of them. You know, people are not being able to be with their loved ones when the loved ones pass on. The funerals are very subdued affairs in general, but now it is many of the people who want to go to the funeral can't go. It's probably the, the most asked question I get these days, unfortunately, is, Rabbi, my friend's parent or my friend has passed away, can I go to the funeral? Which, unfortunately, is, is really a, it's not really a rabbinic question. It's more, uh, first of all, the law, 50 people, no more. And so, so a personal, you know, question, um, do I want to put myself and expose myself and how important is it to go to a funeral? So rarely do I have a clear answer for that. But I found that 
the deepest suffering during the stage is by the people who are suffering loss and yet don't know what to do with it. Because the whole infrastructure, the beauty, the beautiful infrastructure of the Jewish accompaniment, um, the shiva, the mourning, the whole procedure is so healing and so it offers a system for the grief and many people find themselves comforted by the system. Interesting. I went and I Googled Shiva during COVID and I got articles from the New York Times to various local newspapers across the United States and Israel all over the world. It seems to, to have hit quite a nerve and you, you list and I read quite a few of the people's reflections and pretty much it's all the same thing. There's like the system of what of death and mourning with that we usually have, which is already obviously so difficult. Death is never easy. But even that was robbed from us. And for many people, I'm finding that they're struggling deeply with that issue that friends can't come and visit or friends do come and visit, but they're breaking, breaking protocol and then it's awkward. How do you tell your friend that you, on the one hand, you want them to be there. On the other hand, you don't want them to be there. Um, masks, hugs by funerals and people walking in, you know, we're a very warm community. People walk over and hug each other at, um, during times of happiness and times of grief. And it's a very awkward world. I remember before COVID, you know, after having suffered a loss myself and my dad, and then unfortunately having participated in many um, shiva houses, it, many people said that there's a need to guide people on how to comfort a, a mourner and how to do the procedure of grief together with a friend or a loved one. But whatever course would have run is so, and in those days, is so different today. It's like a different planet. We're in like a different universe. Um, I would, you know, if imagine I gave a course about coping through mourning in the time of pre-COVID, it would have something to do with allow people to comfort you at the cemetery and offer their, you know, their condolences. Um, you know, people should be able to just give a hug and not say anything. Today, you can't give a hug. All you could do is talk. Um, and there's really very little you can say to a mourner, especially behind a mask. So, you know, if one time I would have said that the only way to comfort a mourner is a hug and keep your words to yourself today, it's keep the hug to yourself and maybe even keep the words to yourself. So then what's left? So what I want to unpack with you today, um, yes, it's a morbid conversation. I agree. And I'm usually here on the show and for bringing show, I try to focus on upbeat messaging. I just found that there is a void. There is a, a lack um, of conversation happening between people regarding how to deal with death and mourning. Unfortunately, there is quite a bit of death in the community, not only because of COVID, the weather, etc. You know, going to the cemetery, seeing sometimes four, five, six funerals a day. Um, and so a lot of us are being confronted with it within the local community, and I think it's a worthy conversation to have. So I would love to hear your thoughts. You can SMS at 34519, or you could go on my Facebook page and go to um, Rabbi Levi Aftson, and you could post directly, or you could just you know send me a text on uh, Facebook, or if you have my number, you can SMS me. But 
regardless, I just want to wish all those suffering long life. Um, I want to, for all those who are sitting Shiva or just finished Shiva or unfortunately going to Shiva, in my own community, quite a few of my friends and members have, you know, lost loved ones who mean, meant the world to them. And it's a difficult time to be sitting Shiva. It's always difficult, but this is really difficult. So I send my prayers to you and I want to dedicate the next song to you. It's my, I'll be honest, the song I've played a lot of times when Ever we have Zoom meetings um, for like Shiva calls, before the Zoom meeting, I play this song. It just offers me so much comfort. And I know there's music and Shiva don't really walk together. But for those people who come on early, I like playing this song. It's a song by Mordechai Ben David that's called Memories. And personally, one of my favorite songs. I hope you enjoy. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avtson from Linksfield Shul, and we're here today talking about mourning during the age of COVID. In general, mourning is always a difficult thing to go through. How much more so when you don't have physical touch, you cannot spend time with people in a quality setting, which is face-to-face. And so much of what brings comfort to people whenever they lose a loved one, and unfortunately loss is part of life, is the face-to-face. Like I think to myself, if I had to do shiva for my dad in this climate, how difficult it would be. First of all, not being able to go to the funeral. My father passed away in New York. Um, and like, I remember at the time when we went through the loss of my dad, like, you know, you thought you feel like the sky's falling in on you and it can't get worse. But then you suddenly see people, you know, doing Shiva in this format and not being able to go to funerals of their loved ones. Just yesterday, you know, know a family that had not been for COVID, the whole family would have flown in. Unfortunately, most of the family could not be at their parent's funeral. And then Shiva, the family cannot sit together and share memories and, you know, go through this goodbye, saying goodbye to their parent or to their spouse in unity. Some families have chosen that if they all live together here in Johannesburg, they sit together. Other families have decided that they sit separate. Some families have decided to sit one hour a day together and the rest of the day separate. And, uh, you know, I'm not a legal professor and I'm not here to say what's right or what's wrong. I'm just pointing out the various choices that people are making. And a lot, a lot, some of these choices are ambiguous. Some of these choices are clear cut, but they're hard choices. They're very hard choices. And how do you offer meaning in, during this period? Unfortunately, I've had to do quite a few funerals in the last few weeks. And at the funeral, I've shared something which I, I, I believe to be true and I'll tell you what, I'll explain in a moment why I believe it to be true. You know, very often you come up with ideas to make people feel good, what's called pop psychology. And not necessarily is it coming from an authentic place, you're just trying to make people feel good. But I do believe the following to be true, and that is that if Hashem, if God put us in a situation where we're in now, then unfortunately we cannot do things in a regular way. Children cannot say Kaddish for their parents. Um, they have to appoint somebody else, whether it's at Sandringham Gardens or overseas to say Kaddish. People are not getting the opportunity to sit Shiva and have prayers 
and all those things that we just took for granted. I feel, and I've said this at more than one funeral, that Hashem must be saying Kaddish for this person. If Hashem is not allowing us to do the regular Shiva and to do the regular Kaddish and to elevate that person's soul, then Hashem, you're doing it. And again, you know, you might say that that's nice pop psychology, but I believe it to be true because ultimately Hashem would never take away the opportunity of a soul to ha- to be elevated. You know, when we say Kaddish for our parent, we each time we get up three times a day and we say Yiskadavi, Yiskadash, Meir we we're elevating their soul. We're, you know, we're allowing their soul to make the transition from this world to the next world, which is a, a period of time up to 11, 12 months, where they finally able to then come and rest in peace. Obviously, it starts at death, but then it's, a, it's not a small procedure, just like birth is a nine-month story. So to death is almost a year story of the soul fully releasing itself from this world and from the body and going to rest in a better place. And the Kaddish is a necessary part of that, as a Shiva, as a Shloshim, as a so many of the customs, hearing words of comfort from the mourners, the whole procedure that the Torah put together for mourning uh, very much comes, you know, is, is lacking during this time. And therefore, I do believe, and I, I say this to families, that Hashem will be giving the soul that elevation. I don't know if it's a comfort or not, but I know it to be true. And that we we do whatever we can, but ultimately, like, you know, so many families are feeling guilty that they cannot say Kaddish for the parent, and their parent is losing out. And for that, all I could say is that we cannot feel guilty for something that's beyond our control. Um, and if Hashem put us a situation, and then He told us in the Torah to follow laws, to follow policy, to do the right thing, then we are doing the right thing by not showing up to Shiva houses by not saying Kaddish with a minion for our loved one. And it's hard. Again, I, I'm in no way diminishing the, the pain, but I do want to diminish the guilt. I, I, I want to tell to all the people who are going through this to please don't beat yourself up. Um, the pain of loss is already so difficult and overwhelming and challenging on so many levels to then feel bad as if your parent or your loved one is being robbed from an opportunity, they're not getting the ultimate elevation of the soul. To that, I would say, no, please, no. Hashem runs this world, and Hashem will give the soul the elevation they need. It will allow them to go on the journey that they need to go to. And instead of us sitting in guilt, we can sit in... And, you know, I don't want this to fully be only a, a... heavy talk. I want to share an interesting thing that I found during the COVID pandemic and death specifically. And that is that almost every death I've dealt with, at some stage, we then had a Zoom service. Now, Zoom service is not really a service. I guess it's more Zoom than service, just like some bar mitzvahs or some more bars than mitzvahs. But <laughs> it's not a service. It's, uh, it's people from around the world come together. And this week I already had one. Last week I had one or two. Tonight I'm having another one. And I found them to be in ways, in some ways, more meaningful or meaningful in a different way than the usual shiva. And I'll tell you why. You have, first of all, people coming from all over the world who knew this, that loved the deceased and loved them or know the family. Sometimes you have 50 people. A few nights ago I had over 200 people. And... 
they're sitting and one at a time a person unmutes themselves and shares stories and the family gets to see so many stories and to hear so much things. It's all recorded and it is so meaningful to be able to do it, not just with locals, but with friends from all over the world. And I found this to be extremely impactful. Very often the families are, you know, a bit cautious before, like, Rabbi, are you sure it's a good idea? And every single time after they reach out and they say, thank you so much. Um, just before the show, I sent over a recording to a family of an event that we had earlier this week. It is so, gosh, it is so difficult during this time, but there is something beautiful. You know, I think to myself, when I mourned my father and people came in for a week and we heard so many stories, 98% of the stories we forgot. It was comforting at the time, but we forgot. And like, by the way, I think in the future, please come Mashiach comes and we never have to go this, but I would say that, you know, if we ever have to sit shiva in a normal world again, to transcribe, to, to tape, to record, to be able to do what we're doing now in this Zoom time and to be able to actually have cherished memories. You know, I was on a Zoom call where people who hadn't seen each other in 30, 40 years came together on this call and were comforting each other and sharing words. And it was so emotional. It was so beautiful. It was at the same time acknowledging how challenging it was. There was a, there was something very beautiful about it. The whole world becomes one. So on the one hand, our world is more separate than it's ever been before. On the other hand, the world is more united than ever been before. Each night, Hundred thousands of people around the world, millions if not, are tuning in to classes, and they're we're going into each other's you know dining rooms and living rooms. We're sharing ideas. We're we're more separate than we've ever been, but we're also more together. I'm reaching more people and having conversations with more people, whether over the phone or whether through Zoom or whether through a share or YouTube, etc., than I've ever had in my lifetime. So. You know, before COVID, I can't say that, I cannot say that I was a massive fan of technology. In other words, obviously, I appreciate what technology gave us. But if you would ask me to share my thoughts of technology, chances are it would be 60, 70% critical. You know, it's made us separate from each other. It's made us addicted to our phones. You know, the typical, the cliches, nothing original. And maybe 30% positive. But during this time, uh, I've come to really appreciate what kind of gift technology is. Obviously, it still has the challenges. And it's each and every one of us responsibility, just like it's our responsibility to protect ourselves from COVID and to keep ourselves safe. It's also important to keep ourselves safe from the risks of this technology. But on the other hand, it's been such a blessed time as well to see the power of technology to bring us together. Can you imagine doing COVID 40 years ago, 30 years ago? I mean, even 20 years ago when all we had was email. Can you imagine doing COVID when the world where there's no FaceTime, there's no Zoom, there's no Skype, there's no Facebook, there's no way to engage each other? Like, I actually wonder if maybe one of the reasons that technology entered the world is just for a, for us to go through this period in some form of sanity. Could you imagine that? You know, we all know how lonely people are at this stage, elderly, those who live alone. But could you imagine doing it without technology? I can't. 
I actually cannot. I actually cannot imagine how much more painful this procedure would have been the last four, three, four months if we didn't have this way of engaging with each other. If I couldn't sit in my house in front of my laptop with a Skype on, put the earphones in my ears and just talk to you and to hear from you and to engage and to be able to send WhatsApps and receive messages. Thank God for technology in this time. Yes, it will never take the place of face-to-face. No one's saying that. And no, Shiva is not as wholesome and recovering or healing as usual. But it's amazing how we do adapt and how many people have found that even during this time. I actually saw one idea which, on, in the internet when I researched this, I saw one idea which is actually quite interesting. And that is each night of Shiva, they, um, for this five, six, seven days, whatever it was, this family, you know, said, please come on any time between, let's say, six at the afternoon and eight in the afternoon each day. And inst- instead of one formal event where pe- everyone comes, each night people come where they can. And, like, they have a similar vibe that what people have in Shiva houses. It's similar to prayers. Each night people come and chat and talk. And it's a smaller crowd, but it's quite intimate. And I would encourage those who want to comfort them. In other words, those not, not those who are suffering, but those who are friends or family of those who are mourning to you know, obviously you can't do the best, but even if we can't give a hundred, it doesn't mean we have to go down to zero. To think of creative ways, whether get the food delivered to their house, even if we don't go there, get on Zoom, encourage them to go on Skype, have a conversation, send a message with your memories. You know, we've had to reinvent ourselves in life pretty much in every single way, whether it's shul, school, work. And unfortunately, this area of of tragedy and simchas had to be reinvented as well. But I encourage those um, who are looking for ways to offer comfort to their friends to think out of the box and to really go out of our way within staying home, especially now with everything going on, to stay home and at the same time be able to be there with each other. We'll continue in just a moment. This is Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avtson of Linksfield Shul back here just after a quick ad break. And today we've been talking, we dedicated the show to those suffering loss during this time and to those sitting Shiva and for our thoughts and prayers are with you. I'm just trying to come up with some ideas and conversation together about how even while keeping ourselves safe, and yes, please everybody stay home and keep yourself safe and keep others safe. At the same time, we could be there for each other through the gift of technology. And we need to be there for each other. It's interesting. I was looking at the Parsha of the week earlier. And very often, you know, we if we look at the Parsha, we find meaning for what we're going through. And this week's parsha is two parsha, it's Chukas and Balak. And it covers quite a, a, a lot of stories. But specifically in the first parsha, in the parsha of Chukas, we, in the book of Numbers, Bamidbar, the second half of the book, we read about the passing of two great leaders of the Jewish people who passed away just before the Jewish people entered the land of Israel. To give you context, the three leaders of the Jewish people during the, their sojourn in the desert were three siblings. Moshe is probably the most famous, but he was the youngest of the three siblings. He was the leader 
Um, he was the prophet. He was the one communicating God's vision and God's word. Then there was his older brother, Aaron. And Aaron was the one running the temple. He was the high priest. And then there was the oldest and the sister, Miriam, who was the leader of the Jewish women and a prophetess in her own right and a very powerful, dynamic woman who's mentioned quite a few times throughout the Torah. Now, in this week's parsha, we read about the passing of two of them, Miriam and Aaron. Basically, all these three, all three siblings passed away with, within one year of each other. None of them entered the Holy Land. Miriam passed away first, then Aaron, then Moshe, in the age of their birth, but, but all within 11 months. And we read about the passing of Miriam, which happened in the month of Nisan, which is about March, April. And then we read about the passing of Aaron, which happened in Av, which is July, August. And Moshe passed away six months later. He passed away in February and March. And then the Jewish people went into Israel a few weeks later. And the Torah goes into quite detail about the, the passing of both Moshe and uh, both Miriam and Aaron, um, specifically about Aaron, all the mourning that he did and all the grief that the people felt, especially because Aaron was such a incredible person of peace. He was the quintessential um, man of peace who would go and create Shalom Bayez, peace between couples, peace between parents and children, and peace between um, families and, and partners and siblings. And a few years ago, I remember I actually wrote, it was just after my son was born, and my oldest son's name is Aaron, so this is 10 years ago. I, I wrote a book, uh, a little like poem that I, uh, called I Miss You, Aaron, and my reflections like about what kind of world we would live in if Aaron was still alive in this world if we had that um, incredible character, that person who was so passionate about peace. Obviously, Miriam and her incredible contribution, she was the one who encouraged her parents, um, who divorced when Paro said that any Jewish boy will be killed. They divorced Miriam, convinced them to remarry, and then that's how they had Moshe. And Miriam, who, you know, sang with the Jew, the Jewish woman when they came out of Egypt and in her merit, the Jewish people had water for 40 years. These two very powerful figures pass away. And again, you know, I'm looking, I'm actually reading the text right now. The, the entire nation sees that Aaron had passed away and they cried for Aaron for 30 days. And so much of actually what we practice in today's day and age and the laws of mourning are based on some of these verses how Avram mourned for his wife and how the Jewish people mourned for Aaron and how they mourned for Moshe etc ultimately the greatest way we could pay tribute to people who pass on is by adapting their ways I want to mention specifically one person who our community lost and I hope that those who lost you know loved ones in no way feel that you know, focusing on one over the others in no way diminishing another pain. But there was one individual who I personally was very close to who passed away. Um, his name was Larry Katz. And 
an incredible human being. He was written up ever since his passing in all in Zimbabwean newspapers for what he opened up, which was the National Tennis um, Division, the NTD. And just an incredible human being who passed away in his early 60s after a 10-year fight with cancer and many other medical conditions. I, I want to pay tribute to him and I want to pay tribute to his, this incredible person who, more than anything, was the kindest man I've ever met. Pure kindness, pure generosity of spirit. And for those of you listening, whoever had the merit of knowing him or interacting with him, he was he was truly an incredible human being. And yes, we cannot do Shiva in the regular way, and the family is actually still sitting Shiva for him as we speak. I want to tell the family you know, from the bottom of my heart that the greatest way that we can pay tribute to people is not necessarily only through hugs and through showing up a Shiva, but by learning their lessons. And during this time that we have some time, each and every one of us, to, to sit and think, we have a lot of time to think. I know some of us are trying to keep ourselves so busy that we cannot think. But technically, if we want to think, if we want to allow ourselves to think, then there's a lot of time to think. Um, to think about the people who've left or the people who we cherish and to, uh, to bring them into us. I, I believe that's, it's not my personal belief, but it's something that I, I, I've made it personal. In other words, I try to live my life that way is that a person who dies, but whose actions live on in other people, they never really die. In other words, if I'm learning kindness from Larry, then Larry doesn't die. If I'm learning generosity of spirit from David, then David doesn't die. And if I learn from Sally X, Y, and Z, then she doesn't die. Each and every person, we can, even during this time where we cannot offer the morning the way we usually are, we can learn lessons from people and share that with the family. Tell the family, you know what? I know I cannot visit you during the Shiva, but I want you to know that your mother, your father, your husband, your wife, your child, heaven forbid, um, they are living in me, in my heart, because I'm a better person for knowing them. And in that way, death isn't, isn't as real as we make it. Because if the character of a person enters our heart and we allow ourselves to live like that person, then in the words of the sages, Mazar Bahaim, if someone's descendants, in other words, people who follow the way are alive, then Afu Bahaim, then the person who passed away is also alive. We can keep people alive if we keep their legacy alive. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. I want to share a comment I received from Colin. Thank you so much, Colin. We sent it through Telegram. Afternoon, afternoon, Rabbi. Your statement about Hashem saying Kaddish is very powerful. I hope Colin had offered you some comfort. Um, but I believe it to be true because anything Hashem takes away from us, I believe he... It's the wrong word, but I can't think of a better word right now. He compensates for it. Um, Hashem never gives us a, a load we cannot carry. And if he took away from us the opportunity to say Kaddish for our parents, then he's, he's saying Kaddish. And he's elevating the soul. Who better to say Kaddish for a soul than God himself? And in general, during this time, I, I gave a share yesterday to some of my community members. I, you know, we have to look deep and dig deep during this time to rediscover and unpack our faith. 
not this, you know, abstract concept that God exists, but this idea that God is running this world. Because when things go as seemingly crazy as they're going now, um, we we tend to forget and we don't give enough attention to the idea that this world is run not like a jungle. It's not haphazard. It's not run by statistics. Yes, we follow statistics to get a guide. But this world is run by God. And even though it seems so chaotic at times and it's, there's so much pain going around the community, the world we live in is run by Hashem. And this is an opportunity and a time to realign our faith. Yes, faith has many elements. It's the optimism that things will be okay, etc. But first and foremost, before any of the optimism, just the acknowledgement and the idea that this world is being run by somebody, that this world is not a jungle, it's not haphazard. There is, a, there is meaning and intention and purpose to what we're going through. And although we might not know it or we might not discover it anytime soon or we will discover it later, just knowing that this world is being run by Hashem and that Hashem is designing this world where, unfortunately, we cannot have bar mitzvahs and the weddings are being postponed and we, we cannot sit shiva as usual, etc. In all the pain, first and foremost, to acknowledge that this comes from Hashem and not from a random person in the Far East who ate a bat. I think that that itself is an incredible gift of comfort. I want to finish off the show with a song. It's called Father Don't Cry. It's a song by Avram Fried. And it's really a song of the individual turning to their God in heaven and saying, God, we're crying. You're crying. Why don't you just stop the crying? This is 101.9 FM. My name is Robbie Levy-Oxen. Thank you so much for being here. It was a privilege to be with you. God bless.